0: I'm scott fitzpatrick welcome to the GAF podcast this podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space it's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice it's the stuff they don't teach you at uni it's where value sits so buckle in volume up let's go in this podcast i speak with david johnson about the roles that he plays from sounding board to family board to the business board role. It's about being a professional best friend or having someone in your corner or have someone in your tent who knows and understands warts and all what's going on for you and your family. Well worth listening to. There's some great tips. Welcome to The Gaff Podcast. My name's Scott Fitzpatrick. I've got my good friend uh, and former podcasts on The Gaff, David Johnson, here with me to talk about advisory boards. Thanks, buddy. My pleasure, Scott. I, I was very early, I think I was
1: episode three or four or something like that, and I wasn't sure whether or not I did a good enough job, mate, because I
0: <laughs> didn't know if I was going to be invited back. It's taken thank a while. you. It's taken a while to come back to you, but nevertheless. Picked up a few more pearls of wisdom to share with us over the next half an hour. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dave, let's rather than me saying, give us just give us your current your background and the current roles that you're working on at the moment. Well, probably I've got a mixture of
1: roles. You know, background has been involved in financial services for for you know the last twenty years. Prior to that, bit of an entrepreneur, buying and selling businesses and involved in new products that were brought to Australia and etc. So. I uh, have worked my way through to be CEO of reasonable size companies globally and nationally, um, you know, with from 100 to 500 people working for me. So currently I'm working um, in, in, in a, f- a variety of roles, you know, uh, advisory board, um, chairman, uh, non-executive director, and in some of those businesses I assist with, um, what a, you know, best practices and building out boards and building out management teams and a bit of a change agent as well uh, into those. So uh, some variety. That's what I enjoy is variety of industry and business type.
0: Yeah. Great, mate. So what we want to investigate in this session is a number of things. We we'll want to have a look at this role of sounding board yep. for significant individuals to family board to then the business board and even you know, we'll touch on the listed versus private company. Yep. And then you know the, the value that's added having an advisory board for a business because you know there's an expense there and obviously there's for the for the owner of the business who's investing in sounding board to advisory board, why should they do it? And what are the expected outcomes and what's the cost and you know how does all this come together for them? And and then just to finish with, what are the skill sets if you want to be that person to sit on the advisory board as a sounding board, a professional best friend? Right through a you know a a board role there. What are the skill sets I need to build or encourage to build over, over time? So mm-hmm. a couple of questions in there. Let's start with from a business owner point of view, why should they consider having some form of advisor as an individual or a group in there with their business? Well, I think it,
1: it it's it's around empowering success for the for the business, and 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 what I mean by that is. That you know, if you have this two-way relationship with a business owner, so if I'm uh, working with that business owner who is a hundred percent or a majority shareholder, he's making the majority of the decisions. He's making the financial decisions. Um, he's looking for success in his business, but he's looking for for that sounding board, just someone outside the business that's not his he, banker, his Potentially his um, financial advisor. It's someone that is third party, not involved with the business, and is, is is very much had experience and walked in his shoes. That's the sort of person that he should be looking for.
0: Yeah. Now that you've already opened up a bit of a can of worms here for me, because one of the things you've just opened up for me is it's really important in this role to have somebody who's not conflicted.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not conflicted from the point of view of if it's a if it's an individual business, you know, a private business that they're not a not a shareholder. They don't have any, you know, financial stake in the business. The outcomes that they're looking for is with the owner to empower him again to be successful. That's that's the outcome they're looking for.
0: Yeah, and it's very hard if someone if you've got a. If it's someone's on the already on the existing board, if they're a stakeholder, or even if they're an employee or a senior employee, I could be the owner of the business or the chair of the business. But well, it's really hard to have these uh, strategy uh, conversations if if I had my senior leadership team in there. Yeah, I mean they're pretty raw and confidential
1: conversation. It's in, it's about um, decisions that they're making on behalf well on behalf of the business for the success of the business. And if they're, if they're a bit unsure which way to go with a decision, if they go to the management team, the management team are going to look at that leader and go, well, how come the leader doesn't <laughs> yeah. you know? And if, if, do, if they do have a board in place in the business, the board are going to be going, well, are you the right person to run this company if you can't make that decision? So, so having that third party person that's not conflicted Um, as a sounding board, is
0: so important to the success of the business. Yeah, and let's just talk about the range of issues that are going to get dealt with here. Yeah, that could come up on the, you know, I know there's about 70 different conversations that you, you know, you like to think you have with a business owner over time. I mean, some of the ones that come up for me are, uh, are we really clear on the vision for the business? And then have we got the right people to take Mm. us on that journey to implement And it's a difficult one. Um, and I know you like to traffic light people. If you want to explain that one. Yeah, okay. So you know, people, you know,
1: great, good, average poor. So, you know, one one to four in in the type of people that you're employing and 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 that is critical, you know, it goes back to, you know, Jim Collins good to good to great, you know, get the right people on the bus get the wrong people off the bus and then work out where you're going and 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 that just rings true in every type of business so you've got to do some analytical scoring of these people and their skill sets and and what you need for the future and you've got to really be hard on yourself to rate these people now you're normally as the you're part of the management team if you're the CEO or the owner of the business and so you're a bit conflicted because you have personal relationships and business relationships. Mm, that's a big them. one. And so you you've got to pull yourself out. And by using someone as an advisor on an advisory board, um, you know they're there to test you on those and really test you whether or not that person's great, good, average, or poor. And you, know, you can go cut it down even further into you know, um, traffic lights, you know, the, the, the red, the amber and the green. If you rate people red, they should go. If you rate people amber, they should go within the next six months. And if you rate people that are green, they start. Now, most people try and get the ambers up to green but realise after about six months they're not going to get them to green, so therefore you've just got to make those hard decisions, and that's what an advisor can help you
0: with. It's really tough in business, isn't it, because you end up being in a people business and loyalty kicks in, and that can be your strong suit and your short suit, Yeah. especially when you're trying to talk amber to green. Absolutely. Um, uh, So you're 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 there as my support person to help make those decisions. Yeah, yeah.
1: and make those decisions and, and, and help you through... The process of doing that i've just finished quite a, a large contract with a group where i've had to do that it's you know there's been people there for a long time in this business and have helped it be successful but if the business wants to be uh, it, it wants to be successful for the next
0: generation or the next 20 years some of those people just can't come along on the journey but it's the next phase of the journey yeah and how do you have that you have the discussion with the owner and then Dave, and then are you involved in the next discussion with the staff or are you coaching the advisor on how to have those conversations? Coaching the owner, sorry. Uh,
1: de- depends on the seniority of the employee. So if they are part of the management team and the executive team and have been around for a long time, I'm generally the driver of it on behalf of the business rather than the... The owner of the business, um, because that owner still has uh, has had a long, as I said, personal relationship and business relationship, and there might be intermixed families, you know, that they they, they, they you know they socialise with. So it's better coming from a third party if you can, or you know, and it's always involving you know the HR um, function from whether that's external or internal. Um, and it's and, and 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 others in in other roles, um, not likely to be involved at, at under a certain level.
0: Mm, great, and I, I keep coming back to if you're a business owner, you know the the width and the gamut of the things you've got to get across from, you know, risk management for the business, people and staffing, financials, stakeholder management, strategy and vision, culture. Uh, external stakeholders i don't know look the external uh, clients there's just so many things that must you know I, I look at this as thought bubbles that are just swimming around in your head and you need somebody there beside you just to bounce shit off yeah a-
1: absolutely i mean you've mentioned you know a dozen of the complexities of running a business and different levers that are, are pulled every day um, you know, I think you mentioned earlier. I've got something like over seventy conversations that you know that you could have. I, I couldn't. I can have with a CEO or a, a business owner, and out of those would come you know another ten conversations or ten different um, pieces of work to do. So it is really complex running a business, and you, and to have someone by your side that is not conflicted, it's a third party, not involved in the business, who is, as I said, walked in the shoes, done it before, um, can can just make it so,
0: give you clarity, make it mm. so clear for yeah, you. Yeah, I think it's that. I call it sense maker. It all make sense of it. Yeah. And I think even for myself, I look at it and go, well, I've got some strong suits in, in that mix of issues but I've I've definitely got some short suits uh, and it's which leads me to the question Dave about when you're selecting uh with a let's say a larger private family group and they need a board of advisors around them what are the you know what's the eclectic skill sets that you like to look for
1: yeah it's the the first step is getting that family business or or the or the owner to to really understand they need more than one and, you know, m- m- me, myself, I don't have all the skill sets, you know, to, to so I, I have to recommend to bring people in that I've worked with before out of, through my network um, who, who can play a role in that. And so it's introducing those people with different skill sets. And okay, they might have legal skill sets, they might have accounting, they might have advice. Um, they might just have real business experience. Or industry experience. In there, or industry experience, yeah that, uh, you know, that, 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 that can help them. And and generally, they are open to meeting new people if they have the confidence and the trust in you uh, in being able to execute.
0: That's a nice point. So you start off as the sounding board for these business owners and then with their confidence in you, you can then bring other capability yes. to surround them with as you see fit. Yes. And, and rather than relying on them bringing their network to the table, quite often you're bringing your network in.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it could be a combo of, of that, but you know, I, I trust in the people that have executed with me before and I make it clear up front if I'm going through a process with a business that there is going to be change, that I need a mandate and a clear mandate to be able to execute, otherwise I can't execute. And part of that clear mandate might be that I bring in others that I I trust and have worked with before um, to, to to execute, yeah.
0: And we talk about the skill sets needed to play in this space, Dave. You know, IQ, EQ. Yeah, empathy, skills. empathy listening. listening.
1: Listening is probably one of the biggest, you know. You're, you're, you're provided with two ears and one mouth, you know, use them in proportion, you know, listen, listen, listen. That's when you pick up on... on on what's needed in in in, in the business, but uh, most businesses need the same skill sets to be brought in because most businesses are all about people, and that's that's where most businesses, in my experience, have uh, the successes and the most challenges.
0: Well, if you think about it, a lot of businesses have started up by an individual who's an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got it up, got it going, got it running, yeah. and all of a sudden they turn around and they've got a business with 20, 30, 50, 100 people behind them. And they're looking at that skill set going, this is not necessarily my skill set to run this thing now.
1: Yeah, that's that's. They, they turn around one day and say, well, all I'm doing is putting out. Fires around issues around employment, you know, employing this person rather than getting on with running the business. That's not what I started this business for. I was passionate about the the product or the service that I was delivering to customers, not having to deal with uh, um, all these uh, these people issues.
0: So let's talk about the from the business point business board point of view, the difference that you see between listed companies. And I know you sit on some listed boards versus sitting on the, you know, the uh, the private company or the private family board.
1: Yeah. So looking at in the listing environment, I um, mean, there's certainly the governance um, is at a higher level than in a private company because you're you you usually reporting and they're on behalf of. A, an array of shareholders, you know, from someone that might own 15-20% down to someone who might own one or two shares, and they've put you in as a board member um, and they want you to make sure that the business operates um, in the manner that uh, they expect and and as per um, the budgets and forecasts that the, the business has laid out um, because it's their money on the line. So, uh, it's 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 a much different role um, as a director of a, a public company. Uh, you know the the, the the value of the company is on display every day of the week. Um, so you know through the through what whichever market they're on. You know so, it's, so the in Australia the ASX market so or platform. Uh, so it it it's it it certainly. Is the obligations as a director are no more than a private company, but you are in the public face all the time. So it's it's um, it's there's a lot more pressure, I believe, as a director of a ASX listed company. Um, albeit that your fiduciary duties and obligations as a director are very similar, they're on display. Every yes, day. well, I remember
0: ringing you one day, and you just said four hours spent on governance and 20 minutes spent on strategy. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and, and, and you know, that, that's why generally ASX listed companies, you have now committees that run those more, the, the governance side of it, you have audit and risk committees and you have uh, REMS and NOMS committees that manage most of that work now and then make recommendations to the board and then the board can work more on strategy and reporting on financials and so forth, rather than in the, in the mix, in the governance. And then going to the private side, it's, it's probably most of them don't have as much uh, focus on risk and governance and so forth, but they should because it, you know, if at a point in time they're looking to, to divest themselves of that business, it cre- creates and adds value to the business if all those checks and balances are in place. So, in some respects, that's there's less of that in private companies. And so, by slowly introducing that to the business through an advisory board or a, or a full board um, is, is, is gonna help the business.
0: Yes, yeah, so I remember in the last podcast you, you spoke that by having an advisory board in place, well, sorry, not in place, you may be slightly to heavily discounted when it comes to selling your business. Because there's no demonstration from the investor coming in that all these processes are in place from yeah. a risk management point of view.
1: Yes, so um, that that's absolutely right. Um, a lot of private businesses would, when they when they're asked for um, a due diligence checklist, or they provided a due diligence checklist if they're going through a sale process, probably fifty or sixty percent of the things that are on the on there they may not have. Which is all about procedures, risk, governance, etc. So, um, it is very important to get those in place once the business is at a size that it could be. You could be attracting, um, you know, uh, other equity players or or a buyout. <clears throat> you
0: know, clear strategy is important. What's really come to the fore over the last couple of years with the labour shortage market is how we're attracting and retaining. Our key staff.
1: Yeah, that's a really good one. Over the last three to four years, it has been extremely difficult. If you're in a technology, if you're in a technology company, and you are looking for developers or anyone who's got you know any sort of coding uh, uh, skills, and um, it's challenging, more challenging for the smaller companies than the larger companies to to attract really good talent. Larger companies that are listed generally have the uh, opportunity to provide performance shares and which are you know, long, generally in long-term incentives to retain people, and generally have a, a better balance sheet to be able to uh, pay a little bit more for for uh, for these uh, developers, um, and I, I think that happens in all types of industries, if the industry's often flying, then you know to find really good talent is, is 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 a challenge.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that it's on the top of every business owner's mind. There's been a real shift in their thinking from, no, I own this 100%, it's all mine, I don't want anybody telling me what to do with it. Mm. Uh, I really need to think differently about how I retain my A-team, or the key staff, for this next leg of the journey.
1: Yeah, and that Generally, in a private business, comes about when someone who has been around for some time and been part of the success of the business gets frustrated and ends up leaving. Mm, Or gets poached. Yeah, gets poached. And then the owner turns around and goes, well, gee. um,
0: Didn't see that coming. Didn't see
1: that coming. (laughs) Well, if you really looked at the signs, it probably would have been there. Um, So then it's making sure you put plans in place for existing and new employees that um, allows them to feel as if they're part of the business and, uh, and that's not just only financial reward it's um, you know it's recognition as well that's as, as important as as the financial reward.
0: And I think that sounding board role in that case is a really important the conversation to go who is our A team who do we need to keep yeah. and then how how do we structure that incentivisation?
1: Yes, and generally, you know, going back to a, a private um, business, generally the owner of that business doesn't have that skill set. And again, it's mm. from that, as we talked earlier, they didn't set the business up to to to, um, to manage people ninety nine percent of their time. They set it up to provide the good or the service or the product to the client, and that was the reason that they they. Uh, they're, they're in existence
0: now Dave the other. I just want to quickly touch on two other points is one is you're spending some time now Mentoring the CEO Not so it doesn't have to be the business owner, but some time there's a you know, it's not a new industry But there's a real role there just to help CEOs Yes, uh, you know, that's a That's
1: an interesting area. I really love that area in between I find that I get a lot of enjoyment out of working with CEOs of companies. And these are confidential roles that, that I have. Um, uh, as in that, you know, the, yes, the business knows that they're, they're retaining me to do that. But the conversations and, and all the work I do is with the CEO. It's not with the board or the shareholders. Um, and it's got to be known that that's the way that it that that it occurs because that's when the business will get the best out of it, and when the CEO gets will get the best out of it. And that all just starts with a conversation with them around what's happening in the business, how are they, how how they manage the management versus the board versus the shareholders, mm. their interaction with all three of them, um, and yeah, you know, it's a it's a very lonely job being a CEO, and so if you can. Have a confidant that you can work through some of the issues with. Um, you know, you 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 the, it'll help the business succeed, and it'll help the CEO perhaps stay longer in
0: the in the mm. role. No, I see it as being a vitally important role. And what about this issue of old blokes like myself, like the the founders of the business? The, how do you get rid? How do you get rid of the founders? <laughs> when do you get rid of the founders? And this concept of refounding. Yeah, uh, yes, um,
1: so, you know, I, have a, I, I term it founder's syndrome. Um, I think in a lot of cases founders stay too long in their business and then it's even more difficult for them to extract themselves from there. If founders had an advisory board or, or a confidant or someone to work with in a strategic advisory capacity one-on-one earlier, they may make the right a, a, better, a better a better better decision of when to to move out of the business. So generally, there's a very big gap in between, you know, number two in the business and me as the as the owner of the business. And so that's where the challenge starts.
0: Hm. that's a nice visual for me to fill that. How do you fill that Correct. gap? All that? You yeah. know, I, look, it's already been bastardised, but succession planning. It's, how do we fill that gap? How do you fill
1: that gap? And it takes time. And generally, I would suggest that someone, if, if, you look internally, absolutely, but look externally at the same time as you're looking internally to fill that gap, because um, so, you may need new skills to, and, yeah. a, and new set of eyes
0: to come in. I just had a light bulb moment there as well. That, that's, a, that's a really good point, because quite often, we look internally first. And mm. choose our friend or mate mm. or whoever. Uh, then we haven't really thought through the the skills gap that we need. Mm. Definitely. So
1: the so that's to me that's your first step that you should do very early as a founder. And if there is an advisor, if you do have an advisor, a really good advisor would be bringing the topic up of succession mm. or or or. Founder syndrome at a very early well as as early as possible
0: you know once again that's the sounding board role is to ha- ask those hard questions that possibly nobody else in a conflict position can
1: mm. and it it, it it it's the same for whether or not you own the business or you are the ceo of the business yep. it's Finding out well, how long do you want to be CEO of this business? You know, if you if you sit there and say, "Well, I want to be CEO of this business till I retire," and you've got twenty years to go, well, okay, that might be the board's decision more so than yours, but um, certainly you, you you can start planning for the next five years. But if you just say, "Okay, well, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to be out of here in two years." Well, you really need to start planning two years before that to yep. to replace you.
0: you know? Right. So many pearls of wisdom in here. So let's bring this together as a bit of a summary. Um, Value for advisory boards, sounding board to business board, tremendous value in having someone in your corner and then potentially for an investor at the other end to be able to demonstrate that we're across all the issues in the business. Mm. Yes. Correct? Yes. Great. Capability, when you're choosing a board, you look at the skills and capability that that outside of your skill set that you're going to need to help supplement this business with its strategy.
1: Yes, and I think that's really important that you look outside and generally it's, you know, I can bring a net, in my experience, bringing my network in is probably uh, advantageous to the business because I've worked with them before um, and they know why I'm in this business and, and and what we can achieve together. So that's that that is key.
0: Great, uh, sounding board role sounds like it's the start point uh, for a lot of these private companies to have an individual like yourself, or myself or others in that role, and then moving that towards more of a family board over time.
1: Yeah, it's 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 there's a leap of faith for the business for the business owner to do that. Um, They've got to be ready for that, and you know, it, sometimes it takes some time to get them ready to do the, to to take that. Lead. It's that so pace and lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: great. And we, we mentioned before about this being non-conflicted is is vitally important in this role. Absolutely, um,
1: it just makes it so much easier to execute and get decisions made if you if you're non-conflicted.
0: Yeah. Now in our in our world, it could be there's two separate uh, two separate roles there, but we we'll, we'll, we can talk further on that as we go through this. And then the last point, which is uh, underestimate, is that you're bringing your network to the table.
1: Yeah. It's not just it's not just you. It's your um, how many years of experience that you have, and the people that you've worked with previously that you know, or you are working with now that you you can introduce as part of that advisory board, um, when and if necessary.
0: Great, thanks, Dave. What, <clears throat> what I'm finding out there in the market, I'm, I'm running across lots of wealth advisors, legal, accounting that are about 20 years into their professions, and they're all looking for this next chapter of work. And you know, that's an obvious lead-in for me around why we formed the Significant Advice Network. Yes, which yeah. is to teach these skills because it's not really in a AICD course?
1: No, it isn't. I think it's it's just built up over experience of being involved with different businesses and different people to 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 get that skill set. I think people have got it. They just a lot of people have got it, like in the legal profession and the financial advisory profession. But yeah, they just don't know how to take that next step.
0: Yeah, it's how to get them out of their existing swim lane. Yeah, and it's a bit of a mindset change, isn't it? Because quite often in our Existing professions where experts at content, yes, or quite often this is a different, a different, an eclectic skill set is needed to perform this role. Correct. It, it, definitely,
1: it's all about listening to what's going on with that person and in their life, whether it's personal, business, whatever. You. Then you can make some, some, uh, you, well, you can assist them in
0: uh, making good decisions. That's what it's all about. So, Dave, where do we? If I need to track you down, our listeners out there, where do I find you? Uh, well, you you can
1: run through Scott if you know uh, Scotty's details, or uh, you can go to www.experti which is e x p e r t i dot com dot au, and uh, we'll uh, we can have
0: we can have a conversation. Great, thanks, mate. And I know you're an important part of the GAF team, and also an important part of the significant advice network uh, which we've formed and helping advisors start to do more and more of this work and it's really starting to resonate I think with this succession planning with the amount of wealth being transferred through from different family groups to have somebody outside of the family in their corner. So thanks mate, great to have you on board. My pleasure, thanks Scott. Thanks for listening to the GAF podcast. We've now developed the Essentials Package for Advisors. It's the collaterals video and training for you to work in this high net wealth space. Also, we're running a course for those who want to work with significant families and significant individuals. For more information, go to thegaf.com.au.